The best thing that can happen is when someone comes up and asks you a specific question that requires a gospel explanation or a Jesus answer. Like, you know, like when someone asks, why your marriage is the way it is? It seems strong and you guys have been through a lot, I know, but you, you know, you speak truth, but then you, you fight and you forgive and all that. Like, how, how did you learn to do that? Or they ask you, how'd you raise your kids to be so nice, respectful, they're loving, they're awesome. How'd you do that? Or, or why do you live with an open home? It seems like you, you're always ready for people and you just throw parties and you're always kind of available like for people. Like, why do you live this way? See, that opens the door. That's what it means to live in such a way that you know, our lives require a gospel explanation. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, here we are, back together again. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Hope you're having a great day so far. Oh, man, I, I've actually had a, gr- a really great day. It started off awesome. Last night, a couple of my grown kids, I have three, Tina and I have three, both our daughters, so the younger, the youngest two kids, and a couple of our grandkids came over, plus another friend of the family who was in town visiting. They also ended up spending the night last night. It was so fun and just sort of impromptu, kind of came together all last minute, kind of, and off we you know went. And it was very simple, yet it was it was meaningful. It really was just because, I don't know, we love being together and it really is such a picture of the gospel when we come together around the table like that. And this friend from out of town is a little bit different place in their life as far as uh, faith and all that. So it was really just great to be with her and get to love on her and speak hope and, you know, beauty into her. And she's awesome. Anyway, it was great. And uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, I'll, any chance we get, we get to do that. In fact, uh, my grandkids will be back over spending the night tonight again for some different reason. So, <laughs> hey, I wanted to go ahead and read a review that came in, like we try to do when we have time to do that. This one came in. It's a, the name on the little uh, review said Freed C. I think that might be Karen. Ah, let's see. A little shout out to you if it's the right person. And if it's someone else, well, thank you too. Um, the headline says, believers for 30 years, we've never heard teaching like this. Wow, that's pretty nice. It says, my husband and I have been changed by listening to Everyday Disciple. Our mindset has shifted from me-centered to discipleship-focused. That's a good way of putting that. Uh, we've been listening ever since we participated in the Everyday Disciple Challenge a few months ago. That was super fun. There'll be another one of those coming up in a couple months. And we are surprised each time we listen to a new podcast. We often have to hit pause because our minds are blown by what we're hearing. I can't believe I've been following Jesus for 30 years and I've missed so much of this. I'm so thankful that we found this Everyday Disciple podcast and this um we're taking steps now towards making disciples because of the practical teaching we're receiving from Caesar. Well, wow, is that nice. <laughs> Again, like the one I read last week, it's like as if I wrote it myself. Oh. And so why do I read those? Because not because they just make us sound great. I'd read a bad one too if we got, got one in. I would. That'd be super fun. Uh, it's not because it makes me or this podcast sound so great. It's because 
it's important when you leave reviews and ratings and stars like that within that, this one came in through Apple, but other people see that when they're checking out podcasts and they see things like that that are well thought out and meaningful. However, sometimes we get little short ones in and they're perfect too. And so it all helps. And it's kind of a way of saying, hey, thanks guys. Thanks Caesar and the team for putting this thing together every week. So I'd invite you to do that and bless us back, you know, leave a, leave a review. A big thing is make sure you subscribe right? When you subscribe, you won't miss episodes. Like your little player will let you know or they'll download it or however you set it. But if you subscribe, that'll happen. We've made it real easy to subscribe. Check out a lot of different platforms. If you go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe, there'll be a whole bunch of the most popular players right there and you can check her out. Here's another thing you can check out. Join us on Facebook. Our Facebook group for the Everyday Disciple podcast is growing, and we would love to have you in there. Bring any questions you have. Uh, this is how you can get in touch with me real easily and others in the community that are a part of our team and talk about the episode or just all things gospel-related and uh, discipleship, right? So again, we've made that super easy. You open up your Facebook, and you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. It'll take you right to our group, or you can just search it up. There are, however, now I noticed out there in podcast land, there are two other podcasts that have recently started that are calling themselves Everyday Disciples. I think one of them is Disciples, plural, and the other one is The Everyday Disciple. I'm like, come on. So that's why I have this little short little link that'll make it easy for you to find us, right? EverydayDisciple.com forward slash Facebook. Take you right there. I would love it if you join us in the group. It's free. It's fun. You can ask questions. You can help others. All the good stuff, right? <laughs> All the good stuff. Okay, so let's get to the topic at hand. We're going to talk today about sharing your faith after you've offended someone and blown it, you know, like it didn't go very well, and you're like, oh, how am I ever going to get back there? Am I going to ever get another shot at this? Well, maybe. Depends on, I guess, how you handle it, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We've probably all had situations like this where we've been trying to share our faith or speak good news or the gospel or something to somebody, and it doesn't go well. Right? Maybe they're offended. Maybe they just want nothing to do with it, whatever. But you, you know, you've had it where it's like, ooh, that that they seem kind of offended. They it didn't <laughs> it didn't go great, and and for most of us, if we have one of those in our life then I'm not joking. It seems like people never share their faith after that. I've talked to so many people that they, well, for one, they're not fluent in the gospel, so they don't really know how to talk about stuff very well. So they did some sort of canned, weird approach or hammered somebody. It didn't go well. It shouldn't have because that wasn't loving. That wasn't cool. And um, and then after that, they never do it again. And when you ask them why, they're like, well, because you know people don't want to be hammered. No one wants to be, this is the term you always hear, hit over the head with a, bi- a big, huge Bible or whatever. you know. And it's like, well, w- when when's the last time you tried that? Well, it was like back in high school or it was in college 30 years ago. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, maybe maybe it's time to give it a shot again, right? Um, but this today, we're going to specifically talk about someone in your life that you try to bring up faith, or you spoke about your, you know, what you believe, or Jesus, or whatever, and it didn't go well, and maybe the person ended up offended, um, and what to do about it. So let me tell you a little story in the front end here. Um, I got some friends, uh, Seth and Stacy, and they grew up pretty pretty churched. Uh, certainly Seth did. He was like multi-generational, you know, pastor's kid and all that. And they kind of ended up in the church uh, turnstile where they're, you know, doing stuff all the time. They, they told me once on Thursdays they would spend the entire day and evening at the church building. They were super involved in MOPS, Awana, uh, evening program, youth group, 
Uh, they were helping there. Uh, Sunday was filled with multiple services and other leadership things that they were asked to do. Uh, they had Bible studies they led. They, they helped organize volunteers. Um, they did special holiday outreach activities. They had to plan that stuff out and work on that on their own time. Uh, at one point, uh, I remember Seth saying he added it up and he realized that they had uh, there had been only four days that month when they had not been at the church building doing something. Huh, Wow. Anyway, this is just a little backstory. So much for seeking and saving the lost in their neighborhood, right? There was just no t- no time. Anyway, um, but Seth and Stacy knew that they really did want to live like missionaries in their own neighborhood, and 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 they ultimately did and became that. But when they were first kind of leaning into this, they had this kind of uh, overarching problem. Um, not long after they had moved into their new home in, the, in their new neighborhood, Seth had gone around uh, door to door, awesome, knocking on people's doors, quote unquote, evangelizing. Evangelizing everyone, you know, he felt like this is this is what you do, and he would ask them a series of questions that he had learned from a book, and sort of try to trick people into admitting that they had lied at some point in their lives, and probably at least you know stolen something small, maybe like a pen or a paperclip from work. Did you ever do that, right? And uh, and then he quote a few verses of the Bible, declaring that if they didn't believe in Jesus, um, well, they're going to go straight to hell. And he said, that's what he told him, pretty much. Like, I'd like to give you this Bible, and if you don't believe in Jesus, well, I just have to, you know, i got to be honest. I'm going to warn you, you know. And after all, they had just confessed themselves that they were liars and thieves. <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty rough, pretty horrible. Um, and now, while there is some degree of truth in this, um, we, you know, right, obviously, um, this was not a well-received way of helping folks come to know the loving pursuit of God and his son, Jesus. Um, most people, Seth told me that, that he knocked on their doors and gave them that, that good news, quote unquote, gave them the old thanks, but no thanks and slammed the door. <laughs> so how do you come back from something like that? Well, here's what they did. They opened up their lives to people in a new yet really simple way. This is how they actually got started repairing things and building out community. They started grilling out, but they started grilling out instead of like hiding in the backyard on their deck in the front yard. They had both prayed, and the Spirit told them that's what, like, independently, Seth and Stacy prayed, like, how do we, what do, how do we go forward? What's, like, what do we do? What's next? And they both came back and said, this is kind of crazy, scratched their head. Um, I think we're supposed to start grilling. Oh, oh cool, cool. But here, here's what's crazy, in the front yard, <laughs> out in their driveway. So on Fridays, um, as the smells of, you know, burgers and brats and veggies, uh, you know, made their way out into the neighborhood, people actually started stopping by to talk and see, you know, what's going on. You know, <laughs> this is a little different. Um, and, you know, Seth just invited everyone to who stopped by to grab some food and join in and, you know, right there in the driveway in front of the garage. And he started conversations with an apology for not having been a very good neighbor in the past. You know, we've lived here for four or five years now, he said, and I don't even know your names. I'm really sorry. And everyone was really gracious. And, you know, he even brought up, you know, remember when I hit your door and I was kind of a jerk at the door? And I, man, I'm so sorry for that. That must have made you feel horrible, right? And he said everyone was really gracious and they confessed they hadn't really done any better at being a good neighbor sort of thing, you know? Um, and they said they, they kind of loved this getting to know others and hoped that Seth would do this again soon. And that's a, that's a good start, right? And I, over time, as relationships were restored trust was built and new relationships were built, Seth and Stacy were able to invite several of these neighbors to join them regularly 
and start to have regular meals in the home and get to know each other. And eventually, many of them went through the story of God with them together, which if, if you don't know what that's about, you can kind of Google the podcast and story of God and talk all about it. But it's it's a way of going through the Bible uh, chronologically and narratively and with questions, and it's just powerful and cool. And so a bunch of their neighbors said, yeah, we would dig that. And I can remember when they got to baptize some of those same folks in their backyard the next summer. Uh-huh. So things can turn around. But even just in like kind of what they did and how they started to put, you know, things back together and be able to go towards faith again after s- such a horrible blowing it, you know, uh, at someone's front door like that, really gives us some insights into how we begin to share our faith after offending people. So here, here are seven things to think about when you've offended someone in the past while sharing your faith and, and you sincerely, you know, want to begin again, okay? Here's the first one. Focus on God and His glory not your own. And that's pretty big, right? Starting over with sharing your faith should really start where things should have started in the first place, helping people in our lives see God's love and his patience and his pursuit and his care. Would you agree? Helping them see his heart and and helping them move closer to him. Our goal is not just for that person to like us or think we're great, Our hope and goal is that our lives, our words and actions would glorify God. So be it if you're just trying to share your faith with someone or you're trying to, you know, get get this cart back on the rails, um, make that your focus. I want God to look good here. That's my, not just for them to be happy with me again, or I I got through it and they didn't seem mad. So I, now I, you know, I've done my part. That's what a good, right? Focus on God and his glory, not your own. Uh, Second thing, remember our calling, our mission is discipleship. That's what it is, helping people move from unbelief to belief. You've heard me say that a zillion times if you listen to the podcast, right? That's our calling, discipleship. Our calling is not on getting a person to say a magic Jesus in their heart prayer and then sign them up for our sin management program. No, that's that. We've never been called to do that, and I, I know that somehow a lot of us—that's what we were raised to think, and maybe that you still think that. But there's Jesus never says go do that. He says go and make disciples, and immerse them in their identity, baptize them, soak them into their identity in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit. Right? That's what we're up. To. So remembering that is our goal takes the pressure off. So when you're trying to repair. When you're, you know, a, a situation, maybe get back to speaking with faith. Focus on God and His glory, not your own. And remember, the mission is discipleship, helping people move from unbelief to belief about God and the gospel. That's going to take time, and those are small little clicks because there's a million areas of unbelief and misunderstanding and lies about who God is and who He created them to be in us. Third thing here: focus first on the restoration of relationship not on a sin issue or their religion. You hear that? That's, that's what we want to you know, focus on first is the restoration of that relationship. So it's not like, well, here it is again, and they're, you know, they're flaunting the fact that they smoke cigarettes or, <laughs> or you know, whatever. Uh, you don't, don't, you're not going to make this better by starting to get back into faith with them by focusing on their sin issue, or they're from a different faith than you, and you, you, you just have to point that out or whatever. We talk about invitation and challenge. 
you know, invitation to your life and time, but challenge comes after we've banked, like deposited some invitation and trust before we can even, you know, relationally challenge people to the next level. So focus on restoration looks like invitation, invitation, invitation. I'm not saying necessarily an invitation to an event or your church. In fact, I'm saying it's not that. That's that's a challenge actually for most people. What I'm saying is it's invitation to your life, to time, to spend more time with you, to rebuild trust. And, and ask yourself, have you built enough trust in that relationship to even go back to discussing faith? That's a tough, that's a tough topic, and people kind of get a little extra weirded out, especially if we weirded them out, right? It's kind of like this. It's almost like sometimes we, we go and talk to people. So there again, this is probably good advice for even just how to share your faith, but, but certainly when trying to repair something or restore something... Um, and you're focusing on that restoration. But imagine this, like you're on your first date with someone. So, so if you're married now, think back, you know, way long ago or whatever, when, you know, you're first dating. And uh, on your first date, you ask someone like, hey, this seems to be going good. Would you like to start picking out some kids' names? Whoa, it's just too much too fast. You haven't built any tr- trust there. What? It's date one, right? So you're by focusing on restoration of relationship, you're going to slow down. You're going to take your time and, and, and seek to build trust. Invitation, invitation, invitation. Okay, so that's the third thing. Fourth, humble yourself. Yeah, humble yourself. And this starts by remembering that God's forgiven you for your offenses. So even if you know you blew it, like I blew it, like it just wasn't loving, it wasn't the right timing, what I said just was weird or harsh or like my buddy, you know, like, well, listen, I'm here to tell you, if you don't do this, you're going straight to hell, That's, I have to tell you, you know, whoa. But remember, God has forgiven us for all of our offenses, including wacky stuff like that that we've said to people to turn them off from him. But he's also forgiven them of their sins too. He has. So we can relax, like, okay, Jesus has already done it, okay? So when we humble ourselves, start to seek forgiveness, it's a great picture of what Jesus is like. And that's a good place to start, just just by doing that. So maybe the way we, quote, start to talk about faith is to bring up like, wow, you know, yesterday or a month ago or last time we talked or who knows, it could have been longer than that, a year ago or whatever. Um, wow, I I need to... I need to, you know, apologize, right? Humbling ourselves is a great place to start. Think about Jesus and how humble he was. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you've experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty, we become rich beyond measure. Oh, right? And Philippians 2, 8, being found in appearance as a man, so being a, a, a guy, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Yeah. So that humbling ourselves is a great place when it comes to the opening of our mouth. Remember, we, you know, we talked about, okay, first we want to remember to focus on God and his glory, not our own. Uh, remember discipleship, that's long term. That's that's our calling. And 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 keeping restoration as our initial goal. So how do you start to open your mouth? Through humility. Yeah, through humility. Uh-huh. So that's going to mean probably apologizing, okay? 
And if you don't feel like, well, I don't think I need to apologize, but I want to, I still want to talk to him. You're probably not ready then. You're probably not ready to bring up faith again or go there. So what's a real apology sound like? Well, here's, let me just give you a little thought. The word apology means, here's the definition, a regretful acknowledgement of an offense or failure. Whoa. Yeah. A regretful acknowledgement of an offense or a failure. I failed you in that. I didn't love you well. So when we apologize, when we give a regretful acknowledgement of an offense or failure that we've committed, you know, against someone else, it's a huge act of humility. Think about that. To go to someone and say, I screwed this up and I know it hurt you in this way, that's really humbling. And humility is one of the chief marks of Christ in our life. I would hope. And if it's not, then we probably need to keep our mouths closed. Yeah. Now, here's some tips real quick on making a real apology, okay? Acknowledgement that you understand how the person must have felt or, or maybe even suffered a bit. Yeah. Acknowledge that you understand how you made them feel. Okay. Next, express remorse by actually saying, I'm sorry, or I apologize, as well as, you know, regret and express your regret by saying, I feel terrible, or I really regret that, or what I said and how that went. Accept responsibility by, by actually saying that. You know, I take full responsibility for how that went. I, I really do. And uh, I, I just don't, I don't feel good about it. And I'm truly sorry. I shouldn't have spoken in that way. Mm-hmm. And then ask the person for forgiveness. Some folks have never asked anyone for forgiveness. Like, just don't do it. But like, that's a, this there again, we're trying to repair something and we're trying to get back to where we could have discussions about faith. Accept the responsibility and say, could you forgive me for that? That is so humble. And I've never had anybody say, no, I won't. Okay. Now, equally important to what you do or say is what you don't do or say when you're making an apology. There's this quote, old quote by Benjamin Franklin says, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Hmm. Yeah, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Yeah. Um, so uh, here's a couple of points on that. Justifying your words or actions by defending your behavior. Well, I'm sorry you felt bad by what I said to you, but I did it for the right reasons. Mm-mm. Don't, see? Now that's back to being about you. Uh, that's about your glory. Um, or don't do this, blaming your victim for any or all of what you did or said. You know, saying something like, well, if you weren't living this way or doing this or that, I wouldn't feel the need to address it with you and tell you what the Bible has to say, right? No, don't say anything like that. Uh, don't make excuses. Well, you know, I was, I was in a hurry that day and I should have just slowed down, explained things better. Nope, don't do that. Don't minimize or downplay the consequences of your actions or words by saying, well, I'm sorry if I upset you. See, not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you were upset. No, that's icky. Okay. So don't do that. Humble yourself. Make a real apology. Seek forgiveness. That's a, that's a powerful thing. Okay. I actually did a full episode on this. Uh, episode number 141, how to apologize the right and wrong way. We'll get way deeper into this for all kinds of situations. But I'm giving you this today connected to how do we get back to being able to share our faith after blowing it with someone, okay? That's a good place to start. All right, here's number five. When you feel that you may be ready to talk about your faith with folks again, 
watch the shoulds and need tos. This kind of flows right out of the last one. It has so much to do with our heart posture. But we, you know, we, we talk a lot about this on the show that there's no should or shouldn't or supposed tos in the gospel. There's, there's, there's you get to or you need not. But there's no shoulds. So in trying to restore a relationship and trying to get back to where you can talk to people about their faith, watch your shoulds. Well, you, you know, or shouldn'ts. You, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You really shouldn't. You shouldn't be, you know, in that relationship or you shouldn't fill in the blank. Whatever it is that, you know, you feel is the unpardonable sin. See, we, we look at the actions of people and think that's the sin where really it's the heart behind it. That's what scripture teaches. It's not the action. That's just a symptom. That just shows what's in our hearts, right? And so that's where we get into these shoulds or you, well, you need to. And, and certainly, we want a person to come to faith and know Christ deeply and experience everything he has for them. But you got to watch your shoulds and shouldn'ts, right? And your need to. And well, if you won't, just that, that puts people back on their heels. It doesn't matter what comes after that. So stop shooting all over people. <laughs> You've heard me say that before. All right, number six, you might need to wait for the other person to bring up a topic that requires you to actually go there or asks a question about your faith. You might have to. If you've blown it and you know they were kind of offended, you might need to, you know, some of these other steps, seek, you know, apology maybe and stop there, uh, seek restoration, build, you know, invitation, 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 build some trust. Uh, but you might need to wait for the other person to bring the topic up. And remember the first step again. This is about God and his glory so make your response one that helps them understand God's heart and love for them. So when, they're, when they bring it up, don't seek to correct them or point out why their view on something or because they believe something different than you is wrong. Ultimately, you want to live in such a way that your life, your words, your actions require a gospel explanation. See, the, right? The best thing that can happen is when someone comes up and asks you a specific question that requires a gospel explanation or a Jesus answer. Like, you know, like when someone asks, why your marriage is the way it is? It seems strong and you guys have been through a lot, I know, but you, you know, you speak truth, but then you, you fight and you forgive and all that. Like, how, how did you learn to do that? Or they ask you, how'd you raise your kids to be so nice, respectful? They're loving. They're awesome. How'd you do that? Or, or why do you live with an open home? It seems like you, you're always ready for people and you just throw parties, and you're always kind of available like for people. Like, why do you live this way? See, that opens the door. That's, that's what it means to live in such a way that you know, our lives require a gospel explanation. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? And so combine that with some of these other ones we've been talking about, steps, and you can see how that's, that's going to maybe start to mend things and, and give you an opportunity to say, well, okay, you know, I, I've... I've I don't want to blow this. So let me, you know, I don't want to go all heavy, crazy, you know, religion on you or anything here. But a big part of why, you know, our marriage is this way, or our kids have come up this way, is is because of our faith and because how God has treated us and loves us and is so gentle and respectful and forgiving. And, and we've tried to be that way with our kids, but we blow it or like whatever. See what I'm saying? It's a different tone when they ask, and and you're you're giving an honest response versus you're trying to correct somebody or fix them. All right. And here's number seven. And this is kind of, this is one of my favorite ways to start to open a person's mind to the realities of the gospel, or who God is, who he's made them to be. It is to point out how someone, something about that person 
or something they did is a lot like Jesus. <laughs> I love doing that. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I'm certain of it. You know, Every person that you know is an image bearer of our great God, including the person that you've tried to share faith with or whatever, and it hasn't gone well. So look for the ways that that person is displaying some attribute of God and, and point that out to them in a way that's natural and not churchy. Think about all that Jesus accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection. And if someone reminds you of any of that, let them know and thank them. Like, like we've, I, this is, I love doing this. I, I had a guy once who, uh, in my life, who uh, was, he was a, like I knew him through business and he managed apartments and, and we had a bunch of apartment units and this is, you know, uh, rentals and all that. And this guy, you know, we had talked about faith and stuff, but he was, he was, I think a stated atheist, right? But he really liked me. He, he was leaning in. I, I would consider him a person of peace back then. Spent a lot of time with him. And one, uh, he was always going out of his way to, to take time to explain how he did things in his business and why he did them the way he did. And he was really smart. And, and so what, in, sort of in light of this, trying to point out, you know, how someone's like kind of showing me what God's like in a certain way, and I said to him, I said, Greg, you... Um, Man, thank you for that. That's so helpful. But I just want to point out, you do this a lot to me. You have great wisdom. You do. You just have great wisdom. The way you treat people, the way you tr- tr- you know tr- choose to treat your customers and your renters, it's it's beautiful. And I I think I think true wisdom comes from God. Like He's the source. You know, we've talked about my faith a little bit before. I I think He's the true source of that. You have a lot of wisdom, and and you. You, you offer it freely, but in a cool way. You never shove it down my throat or anything like that. So thanks for that, man. You really, that's awesome. Well, he was like, well, I don't, I just don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just good business and all that. And then he went on to like, you know, for another 30 minutes to give me a bunch of other really good wise advice, you know? <laughs> but I could give you a lot of stories like that. Isn't it beautiful though when our hearts are tuned to look at people knowing their image bearers, and then seek to look for the way that God's image, his glory, what he's really like, still leaks out of people. It's not just Christians that glorify God. God's image bearers, uh, even the rocks cry out. This is God. This is what he's like. Look at the planet. Look at the stars. Look at the wind and the waves. Look at, oh, that sunset. Look at that baby, right? Every, Every bit of God's creation can glorify him. Why not point that out? That is a beautiful way to kind of get back into talking about your faith, especially after blowing it, (laughs) right? I hope that's helpful. Uh, We could go on and on and on about this stuff, but I I think you kind of get the idea there. That should get you started. Pray about this. Ask the Spirit to guide you. Be humble. You're going to be fine, okay? So let me give you the big three for today. Let me just kind of give you big three pieces of that that I wouldn't want you to miss. And it's not really a summary. It's kind of the big three things. Uh, And we do this every episode, you know. And uh, if you would like to uh, get a downloadable, like, copy of this, what I'm going to give you the big three here, I'll send you a PDF. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, and I'll just ship it right to your inbox, okay? Here's the big three for this week. First, focus on God and his glory, not your own. Don't miss that. Starting over with sharing your faith really should start where things should have started in the first place, helping people in our lives see God's love, patience, pursuit, and care. That's what you're after. Uh Uh-huh, that's what we're after. Helping them see his heart and move closer to him, not to win an argument or prove their religion's wrong or that's so sinful or here's what the Bible says about that. No, helping them see his heart and move closer to him. Our goal is not just for that person to like us or think we're great. 
like they're trying to repair that, like, oh, now they're happy with me again. Our hope and goal is that our lives, our words, and our actions would glorify God, would show them what he's like. Here's the second thing. Don't miss this. Approaching the topic of faith or even including aspects of your faith in a conversation with someone after you've offended them really requires humility. Yeah. And humility is a huge picture of Jesus. Starting with an apology is a great place to start. Apologize from a genuine desire to seek their forgiveness and restore relationship. And and really resist the need to explain what you did and why you said what you did and make excuses from the past. Make your apology about them, not a defense of yourself. And here's number three. Remember, our calling, our mission as Christians, as the church, is discipleship. Jesus already died for everyone's sins, and he took the punishment we all deserved. Now, he's seeking a relationship with us where we experience his life of freedom and relational peace with the Father and with others. He, he's not calling us to a sin management program or a series of behavioral modifications. He loves us and wants us to help others move from unbelief to belief in the truth of his good news gospel in all of life. So let's be on the same mission as Jesus. And that's what he's after. Let's be on that same mission. Okay, so there's your big three. Remember, you can get that as a download if you want it. So you can use it as talking points. Remind yourself of this. Maybe share this with others. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, and we'll send her off to you. All right, well, that's about it for today. I hope that's been good. Join me next week. I'm going to be asking this question. Are your church elders really deacons? Not elders, they're functioning really more like deacons. What's the difference and how can you know if you have true biblical elders? Or maybe in reality you have a group of deacons with the title of elder? Hmm, Interesting, huh? It's important too. And it, it can cause a lot of challenges within a church body or for the staff or maybe for you as the pastor or or whatever, right? I sure hope you'll join me for that. Give her a listen. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.